Hey there, friends of Holy Shenanigans Podcast. I'm thrilled to share that I'll be recording live from the Wild Goose Festival this July 11 through 14. Wild Goose Festival is a transformational community grounded in faith-inspired social justice. It's a one-of-a-kind gathering that brings together activists, artists, and seekers from all walks of life to explore justice and art, spirituality, and community. The festival will take place at Van Hoy Farms in Union Grove, North Carolina, and I'd love for you to join me there. From engaging workshops to inspired panels and interactive experiences, Wild Goose has something for everyone. So mark your calendars and let's be part of this incredible community that is committed to making a positive impact in the world. For more information, visit www. WildGooseFestival.org. As one of my followers, use a discount code A-TLE24. That's A-TLE24. And you'll get $50 off the price of an adult weekend ticket. We will see you there at the Wild Goose Festival to connect, to build community, and to work for social justice. Welcome to Holy Shenanigans. I'm your muse, Tara Lamont Eastman, a poet, a pastor, and a podcaster. In episode 86 of Holy Shenanigans podcast, Muddy Forks and Labyrinths to Feed Your Soul, I talk to artist and storyteller Lisa Cowper from Muddy Fork about her love of creating labyrinths, as well as considering Jesus' story about breakfast on a beach. Stick around with us and see just what you might be peckish for as we ask the question, what feeds your soul? Do you remember the film called Labyrinth? It was, of course, a story about a quest for true purpose. A young woman played by Jennifer Conley faces the Goblin King, played by David Bowie, who has stolen away her baby brother, whom she was to be caring for. The young woman goes on this quest to recover her baby brother, and along the way, she learns a great deal about herself. Beyond this film, titled Labyrinth, is the Greek story of the labyrinth. It was an elaborate, confusing structure designed and built to hold the Minotaur, a dangerous monster, to prevent disaster. You may have your own experience with modern-day labyrinths, perhaps in the form of a fun autumn corn maze. Over time, the Greek context of Labyrinth's purpose of being something to imprison a monster has gratefully changed. It is more seen as a puzzle to be solved, or in the case of Celtic Christian spirituality, a symbol of discernment, meditation, and prayer. There are all kinds of prayer labyrinths, ones that you can walk and ones that you can hold in your hand and prayerfully trace with your finger, moving towards the center or towards God or wisdom, and then moving outward to live into the wisdom derived or the strength gathered in the prayer practice. In these kind of labyrinths, there is no minotaur, only a space to pray. Prayer labyrinths offer a place to simply be in God's presence, to breathe in peace, and to exhale distress. 
Thankfully for me, labyrinths are ones that do not come with a monster like a minotaur. I've used finger labyrinths, walked labyrinths cut into grass, ones made of stone, and even made one out of a massive canvas drop cloth, masking tape, and spray paint. I even have a labyrinth ring that features a single swirl that I wear to remember to take a breath and to remember that God is with me in all parts of life. For me, labyrinths are a tool of contemplation, soul-filling, and prayer that allows me to incorporate my body, heart, mind, and spirit. I think there is, for me, something important in using prayer labyrinths, because all of me is active in this prayerful quest. No part is excluded. All of me is welcomed, including the parts of me that would rather not be on any quest at all. Labyrinths make space for all of the person to take part in the quest for wisdom, for all of the person to have a moment to breathe, for all of the person's soul to be fed. When it comes to things that feed your soul, labyrinths might not be the first thing to come to mind. But when we think about today's Bible story of the disciples seeing Jesus on a beach following his resurrection, the idea of feeding is central. In this story, the disciples are back to the work they knew before meeting Jesus, fishing. But their efforts of fishing are not leading to a catch. That is, until they see a person on the beach and realize that it must be the resurrected Jesus. They are astonished to see him there, walking the beach and starting a fire. He then calls out directions on where to drop the nets for a good catch. The disciples listen to Jesus and drop their nets where they are told and catch a multitude of fish so great that their nets should break, but they don't. Jesus then tells them to bring some fish in for eating and he prepares for breakfast. Jesus says, come and have breakfast. This story continues with Jesus asking Peter and the disciples to feed his sheep three times to connect to forgiveness for the three denials of Peter prior to the resurrection. And this is where many of my sermons have been preached from, the calling to feed others, to care for others. But as I think about this story of Jesus on the beach, starting a fire, telling the disciples where to find a catch of fish, cooking the fish, and inviting them to come and eat, I feel the need to stop and take this in. I don't want to miss the moment of Jesus extending care for the physical needs of the disciples. There is something important here. Jesus not only is about feeding the souls of the disciples, but also feeding their bodies. Jesus is about the work of holistic care of his sheep, his people. All of who we are is called for and cared for by God. All of us. And so as we consider the quest the disciples were about to go on, we see Jesus feed them in body and soul before sending them out to feed his sheep. In recounting this story, I wonder, what does soul nurture or soul feeding look like for you? What feeds your soul? It may not be prayer labyrinths like me, but what is it? What practice of prayer or meditation helps you to feel safe, secure, and prepared for the quest of each and every day? 
Think on this, or you might even consider taking a walk to a quiet space. Or if you can, go to a beach to consider what breakfast Jesus might make just for you. Part of the reason that labyrinths are on my mind this week, besides the fact that this symbol is never far from my mind, is because of this week's guest, Lisa Kaufer, storyteller, artist, and you guessed it, labyrinth maker. Lisa is here to share about how labyrinth making came into her life, as well as becoming a means of sharing some soul-feeding good news in the world. Hi, dear hearts. This is Tara Eastman for Holy Shenanigans, and I am here with my new friend, Lisa Kaufer. Lisa is a storyteller and an artist, and you can find her at Muddy Forks online. So hi there, Lisa. So happy for you to be with us today. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Before we get started in answering questions about love, I wanted to give a little bit of context for what we're talking about today. And I know you to be a creative person and a storyteller. So I pulled out a book on my bookshelf called I'm Walking on Water. And there is a foreword in this book. Um, the book is written by Madeline Langle, and it's about creativity and spirituality. But the preface is by Nicole Nordman. And Nicole says this about what inhibited her in her creativity. And so I thought maybe I would share that with you first, and then we'll take our conversation from there. Nicole says this, The things in my own life that inhibited me from serving God through my art because I was too absorbed in serving my ego started coming down to the stuff of intellect, the stuff of reason and rationale and analysis, the stuff that children could care less about when they sing into jump ropes and believe that at least Jesus, if no one else, is listening. Down came the wall, brick by brick, the same way it went up. And I decided rather shockingly that I had a great deal to write about and an awful lot of joyful creating to do. The writing and recording of my album was thrilling and a terrifying journey to the center of who I am artistically. And it seemed to draw me closer than I have ever been to the heart of God. And so that is where we begin our conversation with Nicole's words about creativity and the struggle to remain faithful to that calling to be creative in a world that can be confusing and loud and distracting. And so I guess that's where I come to my first question for you, Lisa, is in regards to your creativity and just who you are as a person, what do you love about being you? I love following the creative spirit and getting lost in the story. And that's part of what I hear and what you just shared with us. When we have the ability to kind of get out of our head and just be present in the moment and be present in our heart, and we begin to play with the spirit, I think that's when we can really find that God is already near and we can draw near in that relationship. And so For me, you know, following the creative spirit, definitely, um, I think you mentioned being rational or the things that we tell ourselves that can get in the way of permission to play. 
And so I think especially in these past two years, I've really embraced that permission to play. Mm, And getting lost in the story was already somewhat easy for me. Uh, Stories are so powerful. And in our church, we practice godly play, which is a Montessori-based storytelling approach to sharing our faith together, where we really enter the story together. We invite that we participate together in the story and respond to the story together. And so that practice of godly play has also just resonated with me in very much how I approach sharing story, whether it's faith story or life story or meeting a new friend and just pausing to honor that moment and that relationship to get out of that headspace that gets in the way and to get lost in the story together. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we really glimpse God in some really amazing ways when we do that. You know, our our Bible story this week is the story of Jesus making breakfast on the beach for the disciples. And when I have preached on this before, I know that I have rushed to the very end where Jesus says to go feed my sheep. And in that story, I allowed myself in preparation for our conversation today to get a little bit more lost in the beginning of that story, where Jesus first appears on the beach and then tells the disciples where to fish because they had had no catch of fish that day. And then when they catch all these fish, they drag these nets ashore, and then Jesus cooks breakfast for them. And he says, come and eat. And I think that there is something really beautiful about this story in the very beginning part of it, which sometimes I've rushed past because I'm trying to think, you know, analytically, how am I going to preach this? But to think about this story more as a metaphor of, you know, God, how are you trying to feed me and what is best for myself and for you and for others to really feed their souls with something that is um, sustainable and nurturing and playful, to borrow that word from you. Absolutely. That resonates a lot. And I think emphasizing that Jesus really stopped the action Mm -hmm. to make that happen. And he didn't didn't send the disciples out hangry either to go do the thing. (laughs) It's really important. (laughs) We can't do much very well when we're hungry. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, so I just think that that's a beautiful thought. And so um, as I ask you the next question about the people that you love in your life, maybe what you could do is tell a story of how a person fed that desire of cre- creativity in your own life or encouraged you in that creativity. There is a long list. We won't go through them today. (laughs) And we'll just tell all of the friends that are listening. Yes. Yeah. Lisa loves you. (laughs) Yes. And family. Don't forget the family. (laughs) Um, Just a few moments ago, I mentioned that particularly in these past two years is when I've most embraced that permission to play. I've always felt drawn towards creating and um, making things. And I've managed to make space for that by going to one of my favorite places to go is Montreat, North Carolina for the Arts, Recreation and Worship Conference, Mm. where there's a designated week of time where I am supposed to go and do the things, (laughs) which include, you know, equipping for ministry, but also that rest and renewal and play. And they have a lot of arts workshops. Mm. And so one person comes to mind And her name is Ann Laird, and she takes care of the little pottery house that they have at Montreat. 
And one of the seasons when I came to Montreat, I was taking one of their pottery workshops. I don't really do many things on the wheel. Um, but during that time, she was helping me learn how to use the wheel. And it's difficult. It's something that takes a lot of practice. But we shared one of the most intimate moments as far as friend and friend, spiritual mentor, sharing that sacred space of creating together where she put her hands on my hands while we were trying to form a cup. But while we were going through this process, I was also sharing, uh, it was a time that I was struggling with some things. And so it was also a personal time of sharing and getting messy in the muck because whenever you're playing with clay, you are completely yeah. messy. Yes. <laughs> and I just remember one of the devotions that she led us through during that workshop was to create a pinch pot. And we reflected on the concept of holding and being held. Mm -hmm. And really everything about that week well, has stayed with me and yeah. that, that idea of holding and being held and being in relationship with each other and honoring that God space and space for healing and discovery and joy and sorrow, all of the things mm -hmm. that can come together through the process of making. But for me, it is such a gift when I have the opportunity to create in community. And so she's on my mind today, mm. for sure. Well, thanks um, to her for encouraging you that day and continuing to in her words yeah. and her actions. In her ministry, yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. So I'd love for you to say more about what you love to do in the world. And I'm assuming that has something to do with creativity. It's true. <laughs> um, I've been serving in ministry one way or another since 2005. And just in 2020 is when I launched the Muddy Fork, which is my home-based creative studio. And as you may notice, that was during the pandemic. <laughs> so that was one way of coping was finding and making space for that creativity to happen while we are also navigating a new way of living and a new way of ministry and a new way of all of the things. Mm. And my ministry has primarily been with youth, you know, in faith formation ministry with youth and children and adults. And I have a passion for that. I have a passion, especially for children's ministry and mm. that space I mentioned before of sharing our stories together through godly play. But as the Muddy Fork began, it started really with pottery. I was having fun making things and especially ceramic finger labyrinths. That's oh, nice. one of my specialties. Yeah. I realized, well, if I'm having this much fun, maybe other people would enjoy these too. So I'll make them available. And then it just kind of unraveled from there in a good way. Yeah. Unraveling often suggests things are falling apart. <laughs> I, I hear but what you're un saying. Yeah. Un unfolding might be a better word where I was just making connections, again, relationships, new relationships and new invitations to play. And so there was a collaboration with my friend Stacy Krems in Colorado to design some textured rolling pins. I use them for pottery. Many other people use them for baking. Yeah. And she said that people were interested in faith-related rolling pins. So wow. we created a set of three that talk about God's promise to Noah, the shepherd and the sheep, and the journey to Bethlehem. And they have a story card and response oh, activities. Beautiful. and. So at first people would say the muddy fork, oh, you do, you do pottery. And then I was like, yes. And, and then the story just kept unfolding. And so now there's some other things, including some faith formation resources and such. 
And uh, the way that I sum it up, because if somebody meets the Muddy Fork in real life, if I'm helping at a retreat or something like that, there's often this response of confusion (laughs) (laughs) for taking it all in. And and at a women's retreat just a couple of weeks ago, somebody specifically said, they said, what are you? (laughs) (laughs) And, um, And so the way that I sum it up is that I really enjoy making ceramic gifts and play-filled faith formation resources. Mm. Um, And so that has been a really great creative outlet that feeds back into my ministry with our congregation. It's a pretty common reaction there too. You know, when people see that I'm coming to lead something, what is, what are we doing today? I wonder. (laughs) Because they're like, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be. There's always surprises and, and usually something new. (laughs) <laughs> well, and, and as I was listening you, to you explain Muddy Fork, I was just like, oh, how, what a nice synchronicity that I'm talking about the Jesus story of him saying, come and sit down and have something to eat, right? In the mm-hmm. middle of this messy situation, Jesus says, come, <laughs> let's sit down. And we're talking about Muddy Fork today. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's <Perfect>. true. <laughs> And so, Lisa, with all of those beautiful things that you've shared about love today, I wonder if you have a message of love for our listeners in the neighborhood of Holy Shenanigans. As I've mentioned, Montreat, North Carolina is a special place in my life and and faith. And a few years ago uh, at the youth ministry conference over the summer, they were exploring the theme of story. And so that this is what I would offer. And it's an echo from that experience. Um, During that week, we explored that our stories are unique. Our stories are messy. Our stories are interconnected. We are loved. The story is still being written. And we are part of that story. Mm. And I give thanks for that. I do too. And so as a blessing to you today, I want to return back to the words of Nicole Nordman, who was in that preface for Walking on Water by Madeline Langle. But she sings this song called Dear Me, and all of the song is so beautiful. And I implore those of you that can go Google it to go Google it later on. Um, But there's a section of it that I wanted to share for you today because it relates to story and that great unfolding of story in ways that we don't expect. This is the one verse I want to share with you. It says, Dear me, this is a letter to the girl I used to be. You'll see you're gonna take the long way. And there is nothing you could do or say to separate you from the love of God, who made you just exactly as God meant to. And you cannot imagine all the places you'll see Jesus, but you'll find him everywhere you thought he wasn't supposed to go. So go, go, just go. That's wonderful. And so we can't begin if we don't go. (laughs) No, we can't begin. No, we can't begin if we don't go. If we can't see things as um, possibility like that Mm -hmm. big container of clay that you first purchased, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. You know, it all started with how many pounds of clay? 40 pounds. 40 pounds of clay, (laughs) not knowing what would come of it, but just that you wanted to play with this, that you were willing to go to a space that was yet unformed, Mm -hmm. but you were called there. 
Yes, absolutely. And so as we think about uh, creativity, as we think about going to yet unformed spaces or places or circumstances, as we think about the messiness of life, I give thanks to you for your time today. I give thanks for your courage in saying yes, that you would go to this muddy fork place (laughs) and for sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much, Tara, for having me. You are welcome. I look forward to seeing many more beautiful, creative, fun, playful (laughs) things from Muddy Fork. Where can people find you online? On Facebook and Instagram, you can find me at The Muddy Fork. And my website is www.themuddyfork.org. Any other things that you'd like to share with us before we say farewell? Peace for the journey. And to you also. Thank you. Lisa launched The Muddy Fork in 2020 as a personal outlet for creative expression and shared stories. At her shop, you can find her signature labyrinths, digital curriculum, and many other devotional resources. To learn more about Lisa's labyrinths, go to www.themuddyfork.org. Throughout this week's podcast, the theme of feeding souls has bubbled to the surface. In Nicole Norman's preface of Langle's book, Walking on Water, we learned of her own process of soul feeding in her experience of writing and recording an album. In her work, she learned that she had a great deal to write about and an awful lot of joyful creating to do. In today's Jesus story, we learn that Jesus feeds the body and souls of the disciples to empower them for their own version of joyful creating and questing. Then we heard the story of Lisa's quest of discovering her love of making labyrinths when she purchased 40 pounds of clay, and that that joyful creating is something that feeds her soul. With all of this joyful creating and soul feeding in mind, I invite you to listen to these words from Nicole Nordman's song, Dear Me, as you consider what feeds your soul. Dear Me. This is a letter to the girl I used to be. You'll see, you're going to take the long way. And there is nothing you can do or say to separate you from the love of God, who made you just exactly as they meant to. And you cannot imagine all the places you'll see Jesus, but you'll find him everywhere you thought he wasn't supposed to go. So, go. Go. And hold all the mothers whose babies bleed from bullet holes. And feel all the hunger, the bellies, and the bones. Shout for the prisoner, cry for justice loud and long, and march with the victims as Jesus marches on. And sit at all the tables, cause Jesus eats with everyone. And dance to the music if you can't sing in its native tongue. And cry for the mothers and the empty arms, and hold high the warriors fighting now for freedom's song, and love, 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 like it's your own blood. I am your holy shenanigans muse, Tara Lamont Eastman, 
Thank you for joining us this week for holy shenanigans that surprise, encourage, redirect, and turn life upside down, all in the name of love. This is an unpredictable spiritual adventure, a quest of sorts that is always sacred, but never stuffy. Thanks to Ian Eastman for sound editing and for Lisa from Muddy Fork at www.themuddyfork.org. Thank you for your labyrinths and the muddy forks to feed our souls.